Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Black woman, beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation, a talk, especially an informal one between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So we created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. Welcome back. Yay. So, sounds um, so much better. I do sound a little bit better. I'm still a little hoarse. As you can tell, like I still got my like little Macy Gray, but you know, my, my new boo tells me that it sounds a little sexy. So I guess I'll, I guess I'll keep it. I guess I'll, I'll keep it for now. Um, girl, he not new. The people just don't know who he is. <laughs> He's listen, he's new to the he's new to the people, okay? So since y'all know I got a divorce and we announced that. But you know the transition from being divorced to Nicole just says, You don't know I got a divorce. Oh y'all. That was last year. And I'm not talking like December of last year. That was like early last year. Well and you know, Nicole ain't the kind of person that's gonna let some grass grow underneath her feet. So um uh, yeah. Go ahead, Nicole. First off, you know, the transition from getting out of one relationship. Although, you know, when if you've been divorced before, and I know some of our listeners have, you sort of like mourn the death. I know most women do. You mourn the death of the relationship during the relationship. And so once you're divorced, it's like, I'm good now. Like I've already come to terms with the fact that this is not going to work. So I'm good. So we had gone through sort of years of that. Um, but, you know, James and I are really good friends. We co-parent very well. And I think he's dating someone. And so am I. And we are both very, very happy. And eventually y'all will hopefully learn about the new boo. But you know what? Somebody was like, oh, you don't post new boo on social media. I said, well, when did I post James? He didn't get posted until I actually had an engagement ring. Okay. So y'all may not be hearing about this, this new boo. I, I'll let y'all know if I switch up, but um, y'all may not be hearing about this new boo uh, anytime soon because I am not in a rush to get remarried or, you know, locked down again. You know, you got to tiptoe on that thing after you get, uh, get divorced. But yeah, he did tell me my little raspiness sounded a little, a little sexy. Well, I'm not going to say that you're sexy because that's a little odd, but I will say that I do like the rasp. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of posting any boo. I think that, yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually told the story about how Ken and I got together, but that part is not important. But there were people who did not know that Ken was the man that I was engaged to until they received invitations for our wedding. So 
I am a huge proponent of keeping your private life private and your public persona public. It doesn't mean that you are, you know, being two different people. It just means that, you know, there's certain things that are private, hence private life, right? So I'm here for it. But yeah, Le Nubu, I think is like a thing. I'm just, you know, I, I'm just enjoying seeing the behind the scenes. Y'all, when, when she lets y'all know, trust, trust and believe it will be worth it. I will say that. It'll be worth it. Y'all cute though. Oh girl, thank you. You know, uh, one of the patients came in. I had a, a patient, I guess. Ooh, yeah, I guess it was last week that um, came in and I was just talking to her about just random stuff pertinent to her pregnancy, of course. And she goes, you know what? You would be a good addition to Meritian Medicine. And I said, I rebuked that. I said, oh no, all the drama I'm going through with old boo, new boo. Mm-mm. So, uh, so yeah, it, it will be worth it just to know all of the backstory behind, which we'll have to let the folks know about whenever, if, if ever Nubu comes to light a day, which means that we are very serious, um, which honestly, I don't expect that anytime soon. I'm talking years down the line, right? Then we'll have to let you guys know about like the history of us and all the things that we've endured, um, even during this, this short period of, uh, of Booism. We'll have to let y'all know, but but for now, we will move on with this conversation. We will move on. Okay, so yes, when when she lets everyone know, she will be writing a book because it's a great story. It is just an amazing story. Like, look, if anything, I know how to tell a story now. So yeah, it's a great story. We'll write it in a book, and yeah, look, it's worth it. And yes, we want to be on Married to Medicine. Is that what that's what I heard you say? That is not what I said. I don't even watch marriage and medicine anymore because I had so much. I am like, I have so much respect and allegiance to certain people that after those people are off of there, I don't watch anymore. Right. So like I haven't watched uh, what is that show that Nini used to be on uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta since Phaedra got kicked off. Okay, because I was a big Phaedra fan. I love Phaedra. She can do no wrong for me. And I because I understood the things that she did, even the pettiness that she did was sort of revenge for how she was treated, right? So when she got booted, and I didn't even, people like, you didn't even watch the episode that caused her to get booted. And and that's true, I did not. But I did remember hearing the rumblings about her getting booted. And I was like, Mm-mm, I don't like it, I don't watch it anymore. So I stopped watching that. When Mariah Huck got booted from Meritor Medicine, I stopped consistently watching that too, because I'm like, how are you gonna kick the creator of the show off? Right now, I did watch the season after that because I thought that she was coming back. And and mind you, they need to bring back Mariah Hook. I, I, that's all I'm going to say about that. They need to bring her back. She is in a relationship. I mean, when you have people that's not even married to Madison on the show and Mariah Hook has been in a committed relationship forever. OK, to this ER doc. Why are you just putting people on there for ratings that don't really represent medicine and marriage? It makes no sense. So I think they should bring Mariah Huck back on the show. That is just my two cents. But I stopped consistently watching it after that. Now, people do share with me certain things that happened, like Dr. Jackie and her comments, some of which I, I think were taken out of comment context, some of which I thought shame on her for saying. But you know, there was an old interview that happens to resurface. We have to remember that the Internet never dies. The stuff you say now will come back to haunt you later. It's up to you to then explain the context that you were making the statement in when you made it. And I don't think that she did a really good job 
or at least our publicist didn't do a really good job of framing that. But um, but either way, I mean, these people get dragged, their relationships get damaged and harmed. It's just too much. Well, I will say this. In that instance, yes. In Married to Medicine, yes. But for the housewives, I mean, the money for them, yeah, it's probably worth it because they're not doctors, right? Like, but for Married to Medicine, no, I don't I don't necessarily think that the money is worth it because you could the amount of time that you spend filming, you can make that kind of money practicing. So, you know, but just in case you would like to be on some lay reality show, just let me know. I can make a couple phone calls. Girl, that would be a hot mess. I mean, right now, this is like probably the most ghetto my life has ever been. It's just ghetto. It's ghetto. This is so ghetto. Uh-uh. I'm not putting this on blast. Mm-mm. Look, that's what the people love, but I'm with you. Like, you know, live your, as you put it, ghetto moments privately so that you can come back and shine in your in your non-ghetto moments. So, Janine, how's your week been? My week was actually good. I did a lot of things, like, around the house. I have some things. Still don't have a dining room table, by the way. Just FYI. But I have nightstands and, you know, it's coming together. I have artwork on the wall. Look, Nicole, I have art, like actual art on the wall. You see? I don't have the light to illuminate it yet. It's coming in the mail. The week was great until this morning I got up and my husband was like, hey, um, are you okay? I was in the, the bathroom. And so he's calling from our master bedroom saying like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And so he asked me again, probably about 10 minutes later, like, are you okay? And I had to admit that I was struggling to stand up and something was wrong with one of my legs. And, you know, much like you all know, it has to be pretty severe for me to just decide to go to the doctor. So as I'm talking to my husband, he says, oh, let me call and make you an appointment. And let me tell you all how God works, right? And y'all can believe in whatever it is that you want to believe. But this is the kind of thing that makes, I don't want to say makes me believe in God, but that recharges my belief in the Lord, right? So Ken and I were literally having a conversation about him calling this one particular doctor. And so I think Ken is making you know, he's trying to pull a prank on me because as we're talking about it, my phone rings and it's the, the doctor's number. So I said, Ken, did you call, text something to them? And he's like, no. I said, are you sure? He said, why do you ask me? I said, hold on a second. I said, hello. It was the doctor's assistant. And she said, hey, you know, may I speak to Janine, blah, 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 blah. And she says, yeah, you know, I will tell the doctor's name. Her name is Dr. Levi. She's like, Dr. Levi, just she you dropped in her spirit. So she asked us to call you. Now, mind you, you all listen to what I'm going to say. And this is not an exaggeration by any stretch. I am at this point leaned over my bathroom counter and trying to stand because my hip, my left hip is hurting so bad that it is literally like in so much pain that I'm like, if I just lean to the right, it'll be fine. I get there and she's like, yeah, I was just, you know, seeing patients this morning and you just dropped in my spirit. Literally 45 minutes after the call, I was in her office. And yeah, so my, as I said, let me go back to the original question. My week was great until I um, wore a muscle in my leg and dislocated my hip. How that happened? I don't know. Ask the Lord because I have no idea. Wasn't doing anything, didn't fall, didn't hurt myself to my knowledge. Yes, I'm just getting old. Johnny. So what are you, are you, I mean, you dislocated your hip. So tell me, what are you in? Are you in a brace? Like, how are you functioning I, right now? It's funny because she asked me the same thing. She said I, she needs to understand my brain and how I compute pain levels because she didn't understand. She asked me, she was like, how did you get here? I was like, I drove. She's like, no, I mean, inside of the building. I was like, I walk. She's like, hmm. 
Okay. So um, I'm currently in KT tape. I'm taped up like, um, it actually looks like very odd because I have tape going all kinds of ways to try to stabilize my hip. I have to go get an MRI to um, see how large the tear in my, my muscle is. But yeah, I just kind of walk around like a 90 year old. I don't know, like I'm limping with lots of KT tape around my like lower back and hip area. Yeah, that's it. Lord, you should you should have on more than that. I guess I will at some point once I after I get my MRI. When is that? I actually don't know. So it's a long story, but they called the MRI place. They're backed up because we had snow. You know, when the snow shuts everything down, you know, they get backed up. So I currently have an appointment scheduled from a week from scheduled for a week from today, but I'm on the list. So when they have like a cancellation or someone can't come or they have some space, then I can go in. But yeah, it's me and the KT tape right now. And to be very honest with you, I feel fine. The reason why it bothered me is because when something interrupts my sleep, I realize that I'm in pain or like if I can't move. Right. But other than that, like, I feel fine. I took a nap. I slept well before this podcast, which is why I was like, I need 10 more minutes because I was like half sleep. But yeah, I feel much better than I felt this morning. My intention is to go to work tomorrow. Oh, Lord. You know, they say hard head makes a soft behind. That's what they had said. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that. And if your hip dislocated, how did you get it back in place? Do you really want to know how I got it back in place? Yes. I think this is how I actually ended up at the doctor. So yesterday I was putting together some furniture and I felt when I got up off of the floor that my hip was dislocated and it happened so frequently that I'm used to it now. So I positioned myself against the arm of my sofa and pushed my hip back in. I Look. It's so, it, it happens so frequently now, Nicole, you should see, you all should see Nicole's face. Nicole is like almost like grinding her teeth and looking at me like, God, why would you do this? Right? So it happens so frequently that even Ken can put my hip back into place at this point. Like it's a regular occurrence, but apparently somewhere between the hip being put back in place, I've torn a muscle. So that's why I am now struggling to walk. Yeah. Yeah. That is not, that is a very hard bone to dislocate. It's a hard joint to dislocate. That is not normal. You need some hip stabilization. I'm going to need you to get that MRI ASAP. I know we're like sitting here talking like sort of off the beaten path of the show, but like y'all don't understand how hard-headed this girl is. And so you're going to have to help me keep her accountable for doing the things she says she's going to do before she's walking around with like a crutch permanently because she won't take care of herself. I'm just saying you need to slow down. I am. And I literally was, while I was on mute while you were talking, I was telling Ken that you sound like my doctor. Here's the thing. She told me that I would have trouble with my hips because of my flexibility and how I sit. Typically in a chair, I sit um, like cross-legged. And she informed me of this when probably when I first started going to her, she was like, look, it, it works now. It works because you, you know, teach Pilates and things like that. But like at some point, it's probably going to be of some concern. Understood. And now we are at the point of concern, which I think I've probably been going to her for a little over 10 years at this point. So I knew that this was going to come. The challenge that I'm having, honestly, Nicole, is that if I can work through it, my brain somehow doesn't compute like you're in pain, right? So I think that I've kind of just let things go for so long for so much that it's just like, oh, it's a little like it's a little nagging. And it, honestly, to be very honest with you, unless I can't walk or can't do something or unless I um, can't sleep, for example, I 
I don't really notice it. I kind of am just like, oh, that's kind of annoying, but like not to the point of, oh, I need to go see someone. So I am working to do better because, you know, not recognizing pain causes other issues as well. So I'm working to do better. And yes, Dr. Levi does believe that I need to stabilize my, my hip. Um, one of the things that they talk about, talked about was freezing joints, but I don't want to walk like a penguin. So we shall see. I'm open to having conversations about things and options and I'm open to treatment. I just would like a treatment that is not going to make me look funny or walk funny or like, I still would like to be able to do the things that I do now unassisted. Let's just start with sitting your ass down and getting a hip brace and then we'll circle back around, do some conservative stuff first. Okay. Yes, I will sit down. So, um, what's on our timeline this week? Okay, Nicole, you know that we've talked about relationships on this podcast, probably a nauseam at this point, but we really haven't delved into interracial relationships. I mean, we've kind of skimmed the surface, but we really haven't gotten really deep into this discussion. And I will say, I didn't really necessarily feel the need to dig too deep into it because there wasn't anything that was pressing, but that's not the case now. So first, I'm a little shocked that we have to have this conversation because we live in a time where you can be whoever it is that you want to be, whatever you identify as you can be, you can love whoever it is that you want to love. And your relationship with that person that you love can look like whatever you want it to look like. And, you know, we basically tirelessly fight for everyone's right to be whatever it is that they want and live their life in the manner in which they want, except for the lives of black and brown women. It's very odd. Like anyone can be who they want to be. They can change how they were brought into this world to what they identify as. They can love whoever it is that they want to love, regardless of race, gender, or whatever. And it's fine for everyone, but it just seems that for whatever reason that black and brown women just don't quite fit into that category of being what and who they want to be and loving who they choose to love. But I digress. Let's go back to the whole dating thing. And you'll kind of pick up why I'm saying it like this. So right now, there's a lot of discourse about who black and brown women are dating and marrying, right? And in this discourse, it's not specific to any group of people. There are white men that are talking about this. There are white women that are talking about this. Not as much, but there are white men that are talking about this. There are also some black men that are talking about this. It's very interesting. So specifically, we're getting these like white men that are prejudiced. I won't call them racist. They're prejudiced who it's, you know, they, they have an opinion about why we somehow have infiltrated their, their culture and we are now taking their fellow brethren. It's very odd because we didn't really take anything. And if we are talking about taking things, we can go back to how we, never mind. We won't, we won't go to that part. But then I think the part that's the most disappointing to me, Nicole, is that we actually have black men out here that are putting black women under scrutiny because they cho- they're choosing to be with people that are outside of their race. Okay, so let me go back to your original question. What's on our timeline today? It's a lot that's on our timeline. So the first part that's on our timeline is a right-wing news source, is, as they call themselves, and please see my giant air quotes, and we're not actually going to credit them. We're going to credit DL for sharing and making us aware of the nonsense that they were spewing. So 
on this particular right wing site, this man who I'm not exactly even sure who this man is asks the question. And here's the question. A question for AOC and Ilhan Omar and Kamala Harris and that Supreme Court lady. If white men are the greatest threat to America, why do you keep marrying them? So that was the question that this man posed to the public about our prominent, powerful black and brown women who just happen to be in relationships with men that are not of their race. I have a lot to say, as I always do. I have a lot to say about that, but I'm actually going to share that later. But I will say this. It's to be expected of the right-wingers. It's to be expected of the people who are still supporting those who we shouldn't mention. And it's to be expected from those who don't necessarily look like us or understand us that they have questions about how we date and what we do and how we operate in life, right? But, you know, they typically view us as like, you know, the help. We can rear children, but we shouldn't necessarily bear them. I mean, that's the mindset. They have the mindset of their forefathers, right? It hasn't changed much over the years. I think that the challenge that I have is not that these people see Black women as merely the help or that they are concerned because we are now more educated and we're elevated into spaces that they have traditionally occupied solely. I think that the bigger concern and the thing that is more disappointing is the similar backlash that we're getting from our Black men. Now, let me preface this. We all know that who Dr. Umar is, right? If you don't know who Dr. Umar is, go Google him. Don't stay in the rabbit hole too long, but go Google him. So this man, he's, for those who don't know, is a self-proclaimed like pan-Africanist and he's an activist of sorts and he's constantly speaking on racial issues, but he's a psychologist, right? So he understands or at least should understand like the what he's doing and saying and how it can affect people when he says these things. But yeah, he too loves to speak about Black women and who they choose to be with. And he's even taken it a little step further, saying that he personally refuses to be with a Black woman who goes outside of their race. Don't date women who have had sex with non-African men. Even if it was just an experience? Yes. Wow. Wow. If they sex them, a date, I can live with that. A kiss, disgusting, but I might swallow it. <laughs> oh my God. But if she gave, if she gave that honeycomb hideout to a devil, if she gave her cookies to that Caucasian, I cannot go back into that cave after she let a Neanderthal enter it. I cannot do it. She has disrespected her vagina and every female ancestor we've ever had. I cannot. Now, Nicole, you know that I'm struggling to not give my opinion. So I'm just going to say this. We fight for everyone else's rights. We fight for women's rights. We fight for LGBTQ plus rights. We fight for everyone else's rights. Yet, when it comes to us loving or being with who we want to be with, suddenly everyone has an opinion. They didn't have that same opinion when it was them. They have an opinion because it's us. And we've seen this time and time again in history. This is not just about who we're dating and marrying. Let's be honest. This had to do with our voting rights. I mean, I'm not about to give you all a history lesson. You know exactly what I'm referring to. We are constantly under scrutiny no matter what it is that we do or who we've helped. It doesn't matter. When it comes to us, the rules are changed and the goalpost is always moved. We're not afforded the same grace. We are not given the same empathy. 
or understanding as others are given when it's them. That's just my opinion on this, Nicole. What do you think? For some reason, I'm just having a hard time. I'm having a very hard time um, trying to figure out why so many people have so many opinions. I just don't worry about yourself. So if you don't want to date black women after they've had sex with white men, that's why they probably don't want to date you or sleep with you either. So you can find, everybody can find somebody like, you know, doing this OBGYN stuff now for quite some time, trying to think, man, I've been an OB now for over 10 years, right? I realize there's really somebody for everybody. If you have an awkward patient, you think they're a little quirky, guess who she coming in the next visit with? Some man that's also a little quirky, okay? You have somebody you think may be a little slow, and I'm not talking about, oh, he's slow. I'm talking about like really, you know, mentally of decreased cognition. I'm not trying to be funny. Then they can come in with somebody of their same speed. There really is someone for everyone if you want someone, right? There's some people that don't want anyone. If you are someone wanting someone else, there is someone out there for you. I am a strong believer in that. And so everybody's saying what their preferences are on social media. I'm just like, why do we, what, why do we, this is not a dating app. So why, why do we care? Put your preferences on your dating app and keep going. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Put it out there and, and keep going. And I know that, you know, especially this guy that's like, after you've been in the lion's den, after you left somebody in the lion's den, I can't go in the den after him. Right. You don't know what, who been in the lion's den. You don't know. You don't know unless they have volunteered that information or unless you happen to be dating someone that is in the public eye, that's a public figure who publicly put out their relationship. And even then, they may not be publicly putting out all of their relationships. We just got through at the beginning of this episode talking about how there's a boot that will not be publicly posted until it's really serious, i.e. a ring, right? So how do you know that she is not out there, you know, not publicly promoting who she's been in a relationship with. Are you going to say, well, have you dated uh, uh, white men before? Okay, well, have you slept with them? Are you going to really be that invasive when you are getting to know somebody? Because my question would be, well, why does it matter? And if you told me, well, if, if you had sex with a, a Caucasian man, then I can't, you know, be with you. I can't have sex with you. I've been like, okay, that's enough for me. I'm, I'm, thank you. But no, thank you. I'm out, right? I'm out. But I think that it's just too much to be said about everybody having opinions about everybody's dating, right? And to the guy that had the clip about, I don't know if you played the clip about the guy that said all his friends that had, um, oh no. But, but, you know, even that little two cents, that's a statement. That's not even an opinion. So there was a guy that said, you know, brought out that all his female friends, and he was probably of the LGBTQ plus community, but all his f female friends that were heterosexual, they used to date black men that were black women. If they are now dating or uh, married to white men, they all happy. And he's a black man. He said he don't know why that is. He's making a statement. Now, these other clips that we played today were people's opinions about what they will date and what they're not going to date. We don't care. We don't care. If you like it, 
I love it. As long as it's not causing no harm to no animals or children, I don't care. Okay. Date who you want to date. Worry about yourself and move on. That's all I have to say about that. I don't care if you want to date black, Latina, Asian, Mexican. I don't care. Okay. I don't care who you want to date. It's irrelevant to all of us. So the fact that you think it's important to put your two cents out there is is crazy to me. That's what I have to say about that. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I agree with you, but I will say this. So there are a couple of key points that I wanted to make, and I actually wrote them down because I was like, I don't want to forget these. So let me let me say this to the first man who was like, well... If white men are the downfall of society or whatever he said, then why do, why are you marrying them? Let me say this. All white men aren't racist murderers and school shooters the same way that all black men are not drug dealing murderers, thugs. We do understand that two things can be possible at the same time about the same kind of people, right? There are white men who are racist, murderous mass shooters, just like there are black men who are drug dealing, murderous thugs, but that's not all of them. It's a corner of the population. And there are, I'm sure, white men who are drug dealing, murderous thugs, just like there are black men who are mass shooters. Like, it's really about the statistics. And we want to lean on statistics and analytics for everything else, but we won't realize that you can't paint people with a broad stroke brush because you all of a sudden just had a bad experience. No, that's your personal experience. And just like these two men, that's your personal opinion. And honestly, maybe y'all should take it off the internet because it's a, it's giving top, like really toxic. I also want to say this. Women that are in a certain space, and by a certain space, I mean spaces that are traditionally occupied by white men, they tend to date and or be in relationships with the people that they share space with, right? Everyone finds commonality in you can, you and your partner can be polar opposites, but there's something that you found that connects the two of you, right? They say opposites attract, but something connects you because you have common experience in some way, shape or form, right? That's how relationships are made. So if you share a space and the majority of the time that you spend in your life is shared in a space and the majority of the people that you see around you in that space are white men, it's not surprising that the person that you will connect with and or fall in love with could possibly be a white man. I'm not understanding why we're struggling to understand this. This is why a lot of people end up marrying someone that they've worked with because you understand that if you spend eight hours a day in a place, 40 hours a week in a place, and that experience is a lot or the majority of what you do, it's not uncommon that you would end up with someone who can share that experience with you. So why is it so hard to see or to understand that these people who 
are politicians, a space that has always, from the founding of this country, and I say founding very loosely, has been occupied mostly by white men and still is to this day in 2024. Why are you surprised that these women are with... And in the clip, he mentions those women, but he also includes Don Lemon in this, right? So why are we surprised that the people who occupy this space, who are not white men, end up with white men? That's what they see. That's what they're used to. That's what they deal with. That's what they experience on a daily basis. And then let let me go back to this. Black men... So we're going to go move past the first comment and go on to Dr. We're going to call him Jamal because that's his real name. So black men have been lied on. They've been imprisoned, even killed as a result of their relationship with white women. Historically, it's happened more than once. I mean, you can even go back to before we were free, free, you know, before we we were integrated to when we would get hung for just a white woman saying that that we had interactions with them. Yet no one says anything when you see a black man with a white woman. No one blinks an eye. And there is a certain subset of black men that think that once they've attained a white woman, they've somehow achieved a higher status as a black man. They wear being with a white woman like a badge of honor. Like it's very odd to me, but no one talks about that. But they want to criticize a small minority of black women that are with white men. I'm so confused. Let me say this. When I first saw that post specifically about all the prominent political black figures, black women, um, I did think, why does it matter? Right. But then I thought, "Mm -hmm, that's so coincidental that the highest ranking women of color are married to white men. But I will say it has not changed their motivation to continue to uplift the Black community. And for me, that is the thing that's most important. And I think historically, uh, we ignore how white people have played allies throughout history in helping to reshape this country. And I think that even though there are politicians that say the problem is, you know, Caucasian men are the problem with racism in this country, that can still be true. And they can still also stand and be a part of the solution, right? We we cannot change the minds and the thoughts of this nation by ourselves in a silo. We have to reach across the aisle and we have to be able to work hand in hand with people of other colors and other backgrounds. Um, we have to be able to, re- to, to work with people of, of different political parties, we have to be able to do that and still realize that this person that I'm working with, their people and the thought processes of the majority of their people is problematic, but we need them to help change the thought processes of their people around them and their friends and family. And perhaps that can give us an out or a way into that population. And I'm not saying these women marry these Caucasian men because they want some insight into white men and how they think and how, how racism exists. But I think because they, they are married to them, they do get a little bit of inside scoop in terms of, okay, this is what these people over here are thinking. This is what my cousins and them are thinking. And this is maybe the angle that you should take to approach this. I do think that is, but I also, you have to realize that love, true love is colorblind and people are going to love who they are. They love. And to Janine's point, if you are in circles 
that are largely clear, then you may end up falling in love with people who are clear. Because once you spark conversation with people that are of different backgrounds, different religions, different ethnicities, you realize that you may have actually more in common than you have not in common. And because of that, you end up falling for someone that you thought was so starkly different than you just because you realize that you're not that different at all. So if you're in spaces that contain the majority clear people, aka Caucasian, then to me it's just not it's not unusual. And politics is an area where we are still very much so the minority in the room with the majority of men of power being Caucasian. It's just, it is what it is. So Janine, are you ready to talk through some of these letters from our listeners? Let's do it. All right. So our first letter reads, Nicole and Janine, I have a friend that is now a widow due to the passing of her husband of 12 years, a little over three years ago. She met her husband after a string of really abusive relationships in her twenties from black men. Then she met her husband who was Caucasian and who treated her like a queen. They got married less than a year after meeting and were head over heels for each other. Now she says after, since his passing, she's ready to date. So I attempted to hook her up with a really nice coworker of mine. He's tall, dark, and handsome, well-established realtor in the Tampa area. So with them both being professionals in the area, knowing both of their personalities, I thought they'd hit it off and be a good fit. So I set them up on a kind of blind date with him knowing what she looked like, but I didn't show her any pictures, just told her he was nice and handsome. They met up for lunch and seemed to have a lot of fun based on the feedback from both of them. However, after a few phone calls, my friend said she couldn't date him. When inquiring why, she said because she can't bring herself to date black men because of past trauma. At first, I thought she was joking and just being picky, but no. She said he was perfect, but his color triggers her. She now specifically says she only wants to date white men. Ladies, how can I help my friend deal with her emotional trauma and learn that all black men aren't bad? Signed, Dasha. Here's the thing. If your friend is still having said trauma that she's been having or she's still living in this traumatic space, she's not ready to date. She's just not. And to be very honest with you, my suggestion would be to tell her, you know, maybe she needs to work through some of the issues that she's had in her previous relationships with a therapist rather than getting back out into the dating world. I'm not saying that she's that she's like broken by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm saying that we have to do the work if we really want to get into relationships because we don't want to ruin someone else's life because we are not in an emotional space of being healed. I get that you really think that they should be together, but timing is everything. And to be very honest with you, there's nothing that you can do or anyone that you can hook her up with that's going to work out until she does the work in herself to get to the point where she's healed enough to genuinely love someone regardless of what they look like, regardless of, of her past, regardless of, if you keep replaying the trauma of yesterday, and I get it's easy, been there, done that, have a badge and therapy sessions to show for it, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it happens. It's natural. Your natural response is to flee from the thing that has caused you pain and hurt and trauma in the past. That's natural. I would think that your friend had other issues if that wasn't what she did. If she keep run kept running into the fire, we would then have a different kind of conversation. What she's saying is 
She's expressing the fact that she has hurt and trauma and pain and situation that she's dealt with in the past, and she's not willing to deal with it again. Unfortunately, she hasn't separated the pain and the experience from the kind of person. She just associates all Black men with pain and trauma, which is not fair, but that's the space that she's in right now. So she needs to get to a space of healed and whole before she's ready to date anyone, not a black man, not a white man, not a just before she's, or even any women, she needs to heal first. And that's what you should focus on rather than focusing on her being in a relationship. What do you think, Nicole? So again, I think that everybody has their preferences. I do agree that she does need to heal from her traumas, but at the same time, if there is something triggering because we don't know what kind of abuse she went through in her 20s, right? We have no idea what she went through. And if that is triggering, we can't convince her that she should date these black men, right? Now, she's admitted that this guy is perfect, but for her, it's triggering, right? She can't see herself with a black man because he reminds her of her past. I think that she does need counseling. She does need to heal from her past traumas, but that doesn't mean that she needs to be constantly reminded of them with the person she's sleeping with, right? So for me, it's all about a preference. We live, we have experiences, we evolve. And based on that, you have your preference, right? Now, when I was growing up, I used to love those, um, you know, the, 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 Sundays from McDonald's with the chocolate on them and the nuts, right? And one day from the little nuts, I got all these little bumps around my lips, right? I liked them, but they didn't like me, okay? The nuts didn't like me. I had an allergy to the nuts. I couldn't eat the nuts. I just couldn't do it, right? So one day I hopped over and said, I want ice cream so bad, but I want some type of chop topping with it. So I'm going to stay away from the chocolate and the nuts because I know it's not good for me. So I'm going to go to caramel. And I ate that caramel and I realized it tastes better than the chocolate. And so that caramel, it, it helped me sleep good at night. That ice cream, I didn't have no highs. I didn't have no bumps around my lips. I didn't have no diarrhea, nothing, right? So then my go-to was caramel Sundays, right? I love caramel Sundays. And one day I rolled up on McDonald's and guess what? They ran out of caramel. And then somebody said, but you can have the chocolate. And so the last time I ate the chocolate with the little nuts on top, I realized I had a allergic reaction and it made my lips break out, right? And they said, well, just get the chocolate without the nuts. But the thought of the chocolate reminded me of my reaction to eating the chocolate with the nuts, okay? And so I couldn't eat that chocolate with the nuts because I was so paranoid every time I took a bite. And I said, is it the chocolate that gave me the reaction or was it really actually the nuts? And I associate that reaction to the nuts because people have nut allergies. But the thought of the chocolate on top of the sundae makes me be very, very careful. I don't get the same kind of ease eating the chocolate sundae even without the nuts that I do with the caramel Sunday, right? So instead of taking that risk and being paranoid, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wait and go to the next McDonald's 
where they will likely have caramel Sundays so that I don't have to be paranoid about how I'm going to react to that Sunday, right? This is the same thing. There was nothing that was bad about chocolate. It was probably good. It would probably taste good without the nuts. I probably would have done fine without it. But why eat it if I'm going to be paranoid while I'm eating it? I can't even enjoy it because I'm going to be paranoid while eating it. Same thing. If she's going to be paranoid while she's dating him, why date him? You know what your preference is now. It's for Caucasian men and there's nothing wrong with the preference. Okay. We don't try to convince people that only want to date dark-skinned women or light-skinned women that they may not have their preference. It's what they are attracted to. It's their preference. It what's make them feel comfortable, all right? There are black men all the time that say they only date white women. We don't waste our time trying to convince them that they need to invest in and date black women. We say, do your thing. Do whatever you want to do. Do you. So why are we trying to convince her that her preference should change? Yes, I think that she should address her past trauma and she should heal from it. But she'd been gone from that trauma for 12 years. It's not that she may not have healed from it. You can heal from past trauma and it still give you a little bit of trigger when you see something that resembles it. Okay. So I would say to Dasha, let's not try to force something on her. Let's not force the chocolate sundae just because it doesn't have the nuts on it. If she's happy with the caramel sundae and she likes how the caramel sundae makes her feel, help her get to the source of the caramel sundae and move on about your business. I feel like she's lactose intolerant, Nicole, and she needs to chill for a second. <laughs> okay, let me not act the bull. Okay, you ready for the next letter, Nicole? Yes, Janine. What does your letter read? This one says, Nicole and Janine, love the podcast, love you too. I have a simple situation that I would like to know how you all would handle. My twin sister and I are best friends, but we are actually quite different. She went to an Ivy League college. I went to an HBCU. She works as a Manhattan attorney, and I'm a community leader in the Bronx. She is still dating, and I'm married with two children. Anyway, my sister has always just dated. She's never really settled down or brought anyone home. She hasn't even really dated seriously to my knowledge. At least I thought. Our father passed away last summer and shortly after his death, my sister introduced us to her boyfriend in quotation marks, who happens to be white. While it didn't really phase me, our mother couldn't stop talking about it. While I don't think that she didn't want him there or wanted them to break up, it was very clear that his presence was making my mother a little bit on edge. Here's the kicker. At Thanksgiving, we found out that my sister has been dating Chad for years. Not one, not two, but four years. And over the holidays, when I got a chance to speak with him one-on-one, -on -one, I found out that my sister only felt comfortable introducing us because our father had passed away. I feel like if daddy didn't want them to be together or wouldn't have approved of it, then maybe they shouldn't be together. Ladies, how can I tell my twin sister that she needs to leave Chad alone and be with a man who is more equally yoked? Please share what you would do. Signed, Dion. Dion, the theme of this episode is Mind your own damn business, okay? So how should you tell her? You you shouldn't, okay? There, there are people that 
know that there are people that are closed minded. Okay. And the older the generations are, the less approval they will give to relationships that don't look like their relationships. Okay. People can be very judgy and you know, people can be very judgy. And so if you know that that person is going to be very judgy and that is not going to be a safe space for your mate, why bring them in that space? But if he's making her happy, which is all that matters, and apparently they've been in a very serious relationship, if he is coming to the funeral, if they have been together for four years, then who are we to say that she should be breaking up with him? If they are both professionals in the same spaces and they've been functioning together, socializing together for four years, who is it to say that they're not equally yoked? And just because somebody's older daddy who she waited to bring around until he was deceased, just because that's what happened, doesn't mean that they are not a good fit. Think about it. Think about how many parents disapprove of somebody's relationship, okay? But the thing about it is, it's her relationship. It's not your parents' relationship, and it's definitely not your relationship. So you should be very happy for her, and move on. I'm pretty sure y'all thought that she was in there, in there being alone or by herself. You should be relieved that she has somebody to spend her time with and that she's not moping around being lonely. So why does it matter the color of his skin if she accepts it? So, and there are a lot of people, your sister's not the only one that don't bring their family around until such and such is not around, okay? My favorite uncle, okay, and I can say that he is my favorite uncle, is a gay black man. And he did not bring his significant other around until after my grandfather passed away, long after my grandfather passed away. Now, we love his his mate, okay? We love him to death. But we all know that my Catholic grandfather, who was a grand knight of the Knights of Columbus, may have been very skeptical about a same-sex relationship, Okay. Because Catholicism can be very strict. It's now becoming more forgiving and more accepting. But old school Catholics, they don't believe in that. They don't believe in divorce. They only believe in annulments. They don't believe in same-sex relationships. It's a lot going on there, right? And so it's not surprising to me that he did not live in his truth until he felt that the judgment was going to be gone and the love would not be lost, Okay. People do that all the time. And unless you're in the situation where you're dating someone that can be perceived as somewhat controversial in your relationship or in your family, then let's not be so quick to judge. Just be happy for her. Sit and listen and help support her. Now, what you should be doing is talking to your mama and saying, mom, why did you act that way in front of our guests? Mom, you need to make him feel more comfortable. Mom, let's address your prejudices and so that he can come around more often. Mom, this is who she loves. You should be more accepting. Mom, we should trust her judgment and her intelligence to be able to prove to uh, pick someone that is suitable for her. Mom, if she likes him, we all like him. Mom, if she's going to be invited to the picnic, he's going to be invited to the picnic, okay? So it's not the sister that you need to convince, in my opinion. It's the mom and whoever else is uncomfortable with her relationship. Because guess what? She's a grown woman. And if she feels like you don't accept her mate, she won't come around anymore. I agree, Nicole. 
mind your business. I'm just confused as to why you think that you should have an opinion on who your sister dates. I get it that you're twins, but like, why is it, why is that any of your business? And here's the thing. Why not be honored that your sister thought that thought enough of your father to respect him and not publicly bring someone around him that, she thought that he wasn't going to approve of. My concern here is that I think that you're worried about the wrong thing. Like you were, you thought that your sister never really dated. It almost made it at the beginning of the letter sound like you thought that she wasn't stable. And then at the end of the letter, you turn around and you, she'd been in the relationship with this man for four years. And clearly he loves her. If he was willing to stand lurking in the darkness for four years. I mean, I really just think that you should more you and your mother should focus more on who he is. You never said anything about his character or how he treats her. You never said anything about any of that. Your concern is just the color of his skin. I think that you and your mother have more to worry about than your sister does. Equally yoked, you don't. You never said anything about how equally or unequally yoked they were. The only thing that you said is he's white, okay? And... Like, come on now. Like, it's 2024. Like, please don't help to perpetuate the nonsense that the other people are putting on us. Please don't do that. Like, let your sister live. Please. Please, can we do that? All right, Jenny. So what did you learn new this week? Okay, so I actually got this from the census kind of it was from the health and human services website the national health and human services website so in the united states 300 and approximately 390,000 black men are married to white women but only approximately 168,000 white men are married to black women so all of you all are up in arms not everyone not listeners but the people. The people are up in arms about something that only really affects about 168,000 people. You know how many people there are in the United States? You know how many people there are in the world? Chill, y'all. Chill. Just chill. It's not that serious. What did you learn in this week, Nicole? Ooh, so I learned that according to the Census Bureau, um, which has data for marriages, that if you have a, if, the, if you're looking at an interracial marriage, if you have a black wife, and a white husband, they have the lowest rates of divorce of all couples. Let that sink in. But if you have a white wife and a black husband, they have a, the highest rate of divorce. Let that sink. Let that sink in right there. Okay. Let it sink. I was gonna say I saw that statistic too, and I was like, "Is that petty of me to to say this?" Because I mean, it just goes to show that mind your business. We know what we're over here doing. The black women, we know what we're doing. Y'all, mind mind your business and let us do what we do. Okay. Listen, call me petty Betty because I put it out there, honey. <laughs> and I already told this thing thing that I'm dating now. If this don't work out, I'm going over to the other side. I'm gonna go ahead. You can make some phone calls for me. Get me somebody with some good credit. Okay, I'm gonna date me a clear one. That's the that's the next move for me. So if this don't work out, y'all gonna hear the next <laughs> the pod goes up and be like, ooh, Nicole getting her swerve on now. I'm gonna say show is girl. And I'm gonna post him when I get a ring, but show is swerving. Hello. I'm I'm here for the I am here for loving the people that love you back. Okay. All right, Jenny. So are we ready for the motivational moment? Let's do it. And it comes from Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. And she said, love recognizes no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. And that, my friends, defies race, ethnicity, and even religion. 
Until we meet again, pray, work, slay, and show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Bye. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.